Thank you, Chris. And good morning again. And good morning to you that are logging into Facebook or onto YouTube later. Good to have you with us, and certainly uh, good to be here. And it's an honor and privilege to share in God's Word with you uh, each time have the opportunity. Let's see here. Children's Church this morning. Looks like Dave and Angie has that. So uh, anyone 12 and under wants to go over for Children's Church? And then while they're heading over, if you want to mark in your hymnals number 358, 358, where he leads me, we'll use that as our hymn of invitation this morning. Uh, certainly good to, again, good to be here. Good to see everybody uh, this morning. And again, Happy New Year to everyone. Didn't say that to the folks on the, on the uh, computer and the Facebook, so Happy New Year to you as well. And, uh, hopefully you've had a good holiday weekend. We sure have, uh, we have sure mixed up the, uh, the seasons, it seems like, with the weather that we've been having. Uh, if you don't like this spring-like weather, just wait around a few hours and we'll have some snow here for you shortly. And uh, with that in mind, we know that uh, the new year can bring lots of surprises. Let's uh, certainly hope that uh, the new year doesn't bring uh, anything but blessings because we've had plenty of surprises for the past couple of years that's for sure uh, for those that of, of us that are still working we know that starting tomorrow morning we go back to work and the holiday season is over and it came and went quick didn't it I noticed that I was thinking about that when I was writing this sermon last night I was thinking man I was just I remember uh, what I wanted to say for Thanksgiving and the next thing I know we're, we're here at New Year's and uh, the lesson or the sermon about the encouragement for the coming New Year. Uh, we probably, some of you probably made resolutions. Uh, I've come up with a new word, not a new word, but a different word for what we should do. Maybe we should think about setting goals. Because once we set a resolution and we break it, then it's easy enough to get off the hook, isn't it? Say, well, I broke the resolution, I'll just wait till next year. But when we set a goal to achieve something, then we can, even though we may have a setback, we can go ahead and can keep moving toward that goal. So that's what I want to talk about this morning, is uh, some easy goals for us to, to think about for the coming new year. John chapter 3, and we'll be looking at John some this morning, also Psalms, but if you want to turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 3, verse 30. And this kind of goes along with the, uh, the, the ending of the Christmas season. As we think or listen to the words of John the Baptist, he says here about Jesus that he must increase, but I must decrease. Now I know that, that all of you uh, are aware of what's been going on in the world the past couple of years and, and we here in this community it seems to have drawn us closer as a community and certainly families and, and church family I think included but uh, I've seen a, uh, the results of a, uh, of a poll yesterday, a recent poll that said now that 30% of Americans have no religious affiliation. They, they identify with no church, no congregation of any sorts, and, they, and the way that they uh, presented this was that they had not, maybe not necessarily turned their back on religion, but they certainly weren't active in that. I had a couple of scriptures. I didn't put these up on the board, 
and because uh, I, I was going over it earlier this morning, uh, I wanted to to mention these two scriptures. The first one is Second Thessalonians two three, and I want us to be thinking on and praying about these things in the future. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians and says this, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, and it's talking about the coming of Jesus, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. And the Hebrew writer, as we should be familiar with, tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And that day approaching is the same day that Paul wrote about Thessalonica, that Jesus would be returning. And that's what I want us to think about as individual Christians and as a congregation coming into this new year is the fact that we do see people, though it's, uh, not an alarming rate, but when we lose people, when they have been Christians and become dissatisfied or hurt or discontented with the church body as a whole, or if people are turned away from God and Jesus Christ and his saving grace, it's a tragic loss. And that number, as you know, I have given several statistics over the course of the year years and I have seen that number go from about 24% I think it was the first ones I reported a few years ago to now it's 30% so we continue to see people falling away now is that the great falling away I don't know I don't know if it is or not but it could be it could be certainly the beginning of it and what I want us to think about how is that we can impact our families and our communities and our friends and our neighbors in the coming year for Christ. Because certainly if it's, if it's not, if it's not the falling away that the Bible speaks of, you know, any falling away, whether it's the great falling away or not, is a bad falling away. Because they fall away to their own peril. So this morning, those easy goals are related to this. As I said, John chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist, when being questioned about whether he was the Messiah or not, said that he wasn't, that, that the one that was coming, that he had to increase, become more important, and he had to decrease. His work or his role had to decrease. John knew that when Jesus came on the scene, that it was his ministry that would be the most important, not the work of John the Baptist. But John the Baptist's job, as we know, was to prepare that way. In many ways, what we have to understand is our job as Christians is, to, is very similar, if not exactly the same, as John the Baptist. We can prepare the way for people in one way or another. Some of us can, can till, some of us can sow, some of us can water, but God will give the increase and we can all prepare that way for those that are lost and without Christ. In Psalm 119, and you'll want to go ahead and mark, that, uh, mark this psalm because I've got several references from that this morning. In verse 160, the psalmist writes this about God's word. 
Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Are we ourselves, and something to ask yourself this, do you agree 100% with that statement that the psalmist wrote? That God's word is true from the beginning and it, it endures forever. Because unless you are truly convinced that God's word is true, you will never be able to follow God's word completely. You'll, you'll go through and you'll pick and you'll think, well, that's not necessarily what that's saying, or that's not necessarily true, or that's not what the world says I should react or how I should react. That's part of the great falling away. People are being deceived either by false teaching, as I said, they're discontent, or they've been hurt. And what we have to realize is that the only way that we can affect our community is with the truth of God's word. And if we don't believe it to be the truth, and we don't follow it to be the truth, then we can never prepare the way for someone to, to experience the truth of Jesus Christ, of who he is. So my goals that I want you to consider is to think about that. Think about God's word. Think about what God's word means to you and how did you handle it. Verse 11 the psalmist encourages us in many ways to memorize his word. 119.11 Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Do we carry God's word in our heart? Do we allow it and the Holy Spirit to guide us so that we might not sin, so that others might not see us sin against God or against our fellow man? And use that as some way, as some shape, form, or fashion to say, I don't need that kind of truth. If that's what a Christian is supposed to be, I don't need that. Heaven forbid any of us are ever that type of example. But we should memorize God's word, read God's word, understand it, let it sink in and soak into us so that we can have it to affect our lives. It's more than something being in your head. You read it, you understand it, but whenever you memorize it, you put it in here. And I think that was the goal that God had for his word the whole time. He didn't want to have a bunch of laws out there for us to say, well, I didn't break this law or I didn't break that law. He wanted his love to be in our hearts so that we could share that with other people. And do we think that this world could use some love today? I think we could. Though things are somewhat better but not great, I think that love would conquer every problem that we have, God's love especially, would, would cure all of the problems that we're seeing in our country and world today. And that begins by, as the psalmist says, is putting his word in our hearts. Secondly, about God's word, do we obey that? Look at verse 44. 119 verse 44. So shall I keep the law continually forever and ever. Again, I'm not talking about that rigid law. Oh, I didn't break the commandment. I never broke the commandment. Do you have the law of God's love written in your heart? And do you keep that continually? I think it's something that we all need to look back on our lives from the past year. And I'm not saying dredge up the past. I'm saying learn from the past. Learn from our mistakes so that we can move forward in the future and serve God in a better way. And that's in every, every aspect of things, folks. I'm not talking about just coming to church here. 
on Sunday morning, Sunday evenings, and Wednesday nights, which some of us do. But I'm also talking about how you treat your, your family members, how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband, how you treat your kids, kids, how you treat your moms and dad, employees, how, do you, how are you at work? How do you treat your fellow employees? How do you treat your boss when you're out and about in the community? And something that has to be added in now, and maybe more so, and it has probably more effect on things, is what are you posting on social media? People know that you're a Christian. Does your post on social media line up with what you're saying that you believe on Sunday mornings? And that's what I'm talking about. When it seeps into our hearts, we don't act in ways, we don't conduct ourselves in ways that would lead people to think, ain't they supposed to be a Christian? Yeah, that's just on Sundays. No, it's supposed to be every day. That law is supposed to be seeped in into our hearts so that we obey it all the time. Ever, because I'm going to keep, as he says the psalmist, so shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. Rob, you're painting a picture that's impossible for me to, to do. It's not impossible for you to follow God's law, follow God's word. And I'm not talking about the old law. I'm talking about the law that Jesus talks about, about loving God and loving your neighbors ourselves. He said all of the law and the commandments hung on those two. Are you going to make a mistake? Absolutely, I do. Everyone does. Does that destroy me? Does that make me a failure? No. Does that change my goal? No. My goal is still to become more like Christ each day. Does it mean I stumbled along the way? Absolutely, because that's what we as humans do. But we have to have that desire to put God's love in our hearts so that we can share it with others. And that's so that others may be interested in receiving that same thing. Delighting in it, verse 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. You know what keeps us from delighting in God's word and God's commandments? Loving sin. That's it. Only thing that conflicts or conflicts with God's word is sin. And the things that drive people away from God's love and God's word is the fact that I want to cling to this sin. I want to do this in my life rather than obey God's word. So I cling to sin. I can't love God's word. I despise it because of this. So you have to clean sin out of your life. You have to have that desire to say, God, whatever your word says, no matter whether I like it or not, I'm going to do it. And I need your help to help me go through this because there's a lot of things I have to overcome in order to obey your word. But it's worth it because I love you. I love your word. I love your law. I want it to seep in my body. I want it to be the thing that guides me in everything that I do. And if you don't do that, maybe it's because of what he says in verse 138. Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. Do you trust in God's word? Do you trust in God's word? I seen a post on Facebook that said something about that, that you get in an airplane and you relax because, but you don't know who the pilot is. And uh, I think it was a boat, a train maybe. That we relax though we don't know who the pilot or the conductor or the operator of that vehicle is. Why don't we go into the new year trusting God? Maybe some of you don't know who the operator or the pilot is. 
Maybe you don't know God well enough to trust God. Maybe you don't know God because you've kept him at arm's length because you want to cling to that sin and not release that and say, all right, Lord, my life is yours. Lead me. I trust you. I trust you on the remaining journey of this life. But that's exactly what we're talking about. And whenever we see people that say that we're Christians, that, that we have great faith, but they don't live out that faith. They don't act like they trust in God's word. They don't act like that they have the faith that God will, in fact, provide everything that they need. Not everything that you want. Everything that you need to sustain life. Because, listen, if, if life was nothing but about amassing material things, and if that's all that there was, and that there was no heaven, there was no afterlife, then that's what would be important for us to do. It would be important for us to go out and try to amass all the material things that we could in this life and enjoy those while we're here because there's nothing else beyond that. But that's simply not the case. But people live their life as that's the case. People live their life as is all, that, all that there is is what I can amass, what I can enjoy, what I can do, the pleasures and the, the possessions of this world because there is nothing beyond this world. That's false teachings. People that have that, hold that thought are deceived because there is life beyond this one. And it's eternal. And it is in heaven. I know that, I am convinced of that, and I believe that. Why? Because I trust in God's word. I believe it's the truth from the beginning. I believe it's the truth in the end, and I believe everything in between. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the world standard says it should be. I know what God's word says. I believe it to be true, therefore I have faith in it, and I trust it. And we have to ask ourselves that same question. Do you trust in God's word so much that you want to follow it, you want it in your heart, you want it to what guides you each and every day, and it horrifies you to think that you've broken something that would disappoint or a commandment or a law or, or a rule, whatever word you want to apply. It horrifies you to think that you break that, that you disappoint God with your activities because you want to cling to sin rather than follow his word. Doesn't mean you can't go out and have fun. The things that people th define as fun, the things that I used to define as fun, uh, I look back and realize there wasn't a whole lot of fun to it. Short term, maybe. Very, very, very short term. But as far as long term, there was no fun there. I have fun as a Christian. I do the things I enjoy. God's blessed me to do the things that I enjoy to do. I have fun with the things I like to do. I do that in the, in the parameters of God's word. What more could I want? What more could you want? Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 24 and 25 and he's actually quoting Isaiah chapter 40 verses 6 through 8 but he says this for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass and the grass without withereth and the flower thereof falleth away but the word of the Lord endureth forever 
And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And when we live our lives with God's word, we're preaching that gospel in the same way that uh, Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. We're preaching a sermon in the way that we live our lives. Do we realize that? Do we realize employees, those of us that are still working, you preach a sermon by being a good, faithful employee. Husbands and wives, do you realize that you're preaching a sermon by being a faithful husband or a faithful wife? Kids, do you realize if you're a Christian, you're preaching a sermon by the way that you obey your parents and the way that you conduct yourselves at school, what kind of student you are. And I could go on and on and on. And Christians, you preach a sermon in the way that you follow God's word. And we have to take that responsibility, folks. It is far too easy to say, oh, I'm just human and, and that's just how it is. I fail, and you will. But to not take responsibility, to look at it in a flippant manner, so to speak, like it doesn't have any cost or doesn't have an effect on you, as long as you keep it hidden. That's some of the things we like to do. We kind of sin sometimes, but we think if we keep it hidden, there's no danger, no, no risk to that, no cost, and you're fooled again. You're deceived. There is always a cost to unrepentant sin. Always. You have to follow God's word. You have to have it in your heart. You have to trust it. You have to love it. You have to want it to lead you through this life. Rob, that's a lot of stuff to do. Yes, it is. But there's something that God in his wisdom and love provided for us that allows us to be able to do that. And that's what our next goal is. Our next goal. So the first goal, did you pick up on it? I want you to love God's word more than anything else in the coming new year. Just like the psalmist wrote about. And I want you to think about John the Baptist and what he said. I must decrease, he must increase. In your life, the same thing. So our next goal is the thing that allows us to do this. And that's make Jesus the center. Back to the Gospels now. In John chapter 1 verse 29 we'll see this. Yeah, like I said, we're going to see a lot of John the Baptist here. John chapter 1, verse 29 says this. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, and looks at what he says. I'm going to say it kind of maybe like John did. So don't, don't jump. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. That's probably what he sounded like, something that may be louder. Maybe louder. Which taketh away the sin of the world. Do we, do we live our lives like that? Do we think about Jesus that way? Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. He's our Savior. We just celebrated his birth. And in just a couple of months, of three or four months, uh, we're going to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of that Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. 
We have to make Jesus the center of our lives. We have to make Jesus the center of our homes. We have to make Jesus the center of everything that we are involved with. Not just a sidebar. Not just an occasional thing that we can add in when it's convenient or when it's expected, but Jesus is the center. Ask yourself, is Jesus the center? Be truthful with yourself now. I'm not going to sit here and judge you and say, yes, you are. Oh, no, you don't. You do. You don't. That's not mine to judge. And don't you go around judging nobody else because it's not yours to judge either. You have to judge yourself. Is Jesus the center of your life? And if he's not, then you're going to have a difficult time with the, the first goal, is putting the Bible in your heart and your mind and in your feet and your hands. You've got to point to Jesus. Now something else about John the Baptist we're going to see in Luke chapter 1, verse 4, 16, 4 through 16. Luke 1, we started off with Christmas thinking about the birth of Christ. And we're going to finish up this New Year's holiday the same way. Luke 1, 14 through 16, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. No, he's talking about John the Baptist. He was filled with the Holy Spirit even in the womb. We know that, don't we? What happened when Mary came to Elizabeth's house and her salutation, what did he do? Leaped in her womb. Because he heard her voice. He knew that the voice of the Lord, of the mother of the Lord, that Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world had entered in. Do we see we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit? All of those other things I've talked about are so very terribly difficult to do if you do not allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. And there's something else. If, you, if you're not coming to church, if you're deciding church is something that we will do when it's convenient, you're separating yourself from the exhortation or the encouragement of other believers. Occasionally, you get a pretty good sermon from me. But more importantly, you get the encouragement of the people that's sitting around you. You get the opportunity to see that other people that look just like you believe the same things that you do. And even though they have a difficult time, they're still here and they still trust and believe in God. That's why we come together. And we come together to gather around this table. Though we do it a little different now than we used to. But we still take the loaf and we still take the cup. And remember the, the blood and the broken body that was shed on our behalf. Remember, behold, there comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what that's about. But if you don't come and partake in that, or if you're not able to, and I'm not downing nobody for not coming to church if you're sick and you're not able to come. You know I've never done that. I'm talking about able-bodied people that choose to do something else. 
We come to worship God. You don't come to hear me preach. I preach because I worship God that way. You realize that? I've been blessed, though I don't know why, that he chose me to be able to speak. But that's all I can do, folks. I can't not do it. We come here to worship, not to be entertained. We don't come here to get something. We come here to give something. Do we realize that? We have to look at this new year in a new way so that we can affect our community in a different way. We have to come here with not the expectation of hearing something, or but maybe you will, but giving something, letting God hear your voice when we sing our songs, when we have our prayers, that you pour your heart out to Him. Even though someone else is praying doesn't mean that you can't pray at the same time. And that's why we gather. That's why we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in our lives. And when we say, nope, when we, when we tamp down that Holy Spirit, that's when we're clinging to that sin again. I would rather do fill in the blank than go worship God today. Maybe we should stop calling it, I'm going to church. Because going to church doesn't really sound like that you have any kind of responsibility. Maybe in the coming new year you should, you should call it, I am going to worship God. Then that changes things, doesn't it? You can say, well, I choose not to worship God today. That's a bad spot to be. But that's what we do. And because we call it something different, we don't take responsibility for it. Could you imagine being in heaven and saying, I'm taking a day off today, God. Not going to happen there either. Why do we think we can do it here? Why do we think we as Christians can take a day off from worshiping God? From worshiping Jesus Christ the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. I can't fathom it. The Holy Spirit is what guides us in doing these things. And because we, we have these attitudes, is that what is causing the falling away? Is that why in just the past five, six, seven years that we've seen it go from 24 to 30%? It's because people have become discouraged because they don't have the support. They hear something other than worship when they come to church. I'm not being critical. I'm just asking you to think on these things. If you believe God's word, there is consequences for each and every person that, is, that dies without Jesus Christ as their Savior or when the trumpet sounds is left behind. There are consequences. I believe that. Do you? Now we can't make people accept Jesus Christ. That's not our job. My job is not to make you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. My job is to encourage you to believe in God's Word. My job is to encourage you to believe it's true and allow it to guide your life. 
My job is to try to set the best example of someone that believes the same thing. And my job is to also encourage you to do the exact same thing. But it's up to us individually to do it. It's up to us individually to take responsibility as Christians and make 2022 different than 21. In that, we put Jesus Christ in the center. We allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. We make God's word the most desirable thing for me to take in. And we follow it. And when we stumble, we repent. We make things right. If it's something between you and God, you repent. You move forward with the leading of the Holy Spirit. If it's something between you and another person, you go to that person and you make it right and you move forward. Because if you don't do that, folks, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to like it. Some of you are not going to like it. If you don't do that, you're in peril. You understand? Peril. You don't want to walk around life that way. You're not hiding anything from God, and God's the only one that matters. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from all your friends and all your neighbors. You might even hide it from your husband and your wife and your kids, but you're not going to hide it from God who's going to judge you in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to stand there and say, I never knew them. They're a worker of iniquity. Depart. Depart. <laughs> it's not like you have a second choice. Well, heaven and then almost heaven. That's not there either, folks. It's heaven or hell. We need to start living our lives like there's only two places that you're going to go in eternity. You're going to either be at the foot of the cross in heaven worshiping God, praising Jesus Christ as the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, or you're going to be in eternal, eternal separation, damnation, pain, torture, wailing, gnashing of teeth in hell. That's what the Bible says. That's what it says. Not me. I can show it to you. And I can stand up here and say that to you because I believe God's word is true. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation this morning. It's what the world needs. We have to get back to believing the Bible and living like we believe it. Now, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ today, I want to encourage you to consider what I've said. And if you believe it and you're willing to repent of your sins, confess Christ as your Savior, be buried with him in baptism, receiving the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of that Holy Spirit to guide you throughout the rest of your life, raise that new creation, today's your day. Start the new year off right. You can't make a better decision on January the 2nd, 2022, than to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, maybe you're already a Christian, but you realize that there's some things that you need to get straight. Get them straight. You don't owe me nothing. You owe God everything. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Make it right with Him. He's the one that died for you. I didn't. I'm just encouraging you to do what the Scripture says. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation, Where He Leads Me and Where's God Leading You This Morning. Number 358, we're going to sing the first and third verse of this hymn. Would you come as we stand and sing?